0: this series entitled first things first and every once in a while it's just really important for us to get back to the priorities and get back to those commitments that really matter and begin to establish reestablish commitments and make those commitments so that we can make it and that's the idea behind this and uh, over the last few weeks well let me just kind of remind us that Jesus said seek first the kingdom of god Not your kingdom, not the worldly kingdom, not the kingdom of feelings, but the kingdom of God. And then everything else that you have need of will be added to you, right? So Jesus said, you got to kind of get things where they need to be. And uh, we talked about the first love, the first week, we talked about the first love, returning to our first love, giving God our first love in the sense of making him our priority, what God wants, what God says. He's my priority in life. And out of that priority of a relationship with Him and walking with Him, every other relationship and every other thing finds its place, finds its level ground. Last week we talked about giving God our first hour of the day, an intimate relationship with Him. One of the ways that you can walk out your first love is to make sure you carve out time to be alone with Him in a solitary place where you can just hear His voice, read His word, cry out to Him, and follow His directives in your life. And I was thinking about this throughout the week. The reason why we need a daily quiet time is because God can't get through to an unquiet heart. If we don't make time to be with Him, then it's, it, we don't mean it Inadvertently, we just kind of push Him up to the outskirts of our life. And so I need to carve out time to be with Him. And that's a first, that's one of those first things. And then today, I want to talk about giving God the first day of the week. The first hour of our day, and the first day of our week. Now, when I talk about the first day of the week, we're talking about Sunday. And what do we normally do on Sunday if you're really saved? No, I'm Jesus, But we do go to church. We do make space in our life to gather with God and God's people. Just like I need quiet time alone with God, I also need God in relation to relationships with other people who know God. And it's a first thing. And it's a priority in our life. And I know just three months ago I talked about church. But I'm sorry, I'm going to do it again. I, I tried to beg my way out of it, but this is uh, one of those first things. Because it's the first day. And uh, so we're going to talk about it. I want to show you a, a passage of scripture out of Acts chapter 20. And it begins at verse 7. And uh, follow along as I read this story to you. It says, On the first day of the week, everybody say that. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. You can be thankful I'm not Paul. But I will go till noon. No, I'm teasing. So he kept talking till midnight. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. You better not fall asleep today. Okay, so this guy got drowsy, fell asleep, and he fell out of the church gathering to his death. Paul went down, bent over him, took him in his arms. Don't worry, he said, he's alive. Then all went back upstairs, I love this, then they all went back and had church. They shared in the Lord's Supper, ate together, Paul continued talking with them until the dawn, and then they left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well, and everyone was greatly relieved. And I think he probably went to a hot tub when he got home. But uh, I want to talk about, uh, today I want to talk about giving God the first day of our week. Lord, we... Thank you for your wonderful presence here today. And in Holy Spirit, we just invite you now through this word to challenge us, to comfort us, to correct us, and to give us vision for what you want to do in and through us, your church. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. So the first verse that we read there said on the first day of the week the first day of the week was sunday and over time we find the early church eventually made sunday their primary gathering day and the reason for that is because that was the day that jesus was raised from the dead and so they were they had switched from meeting and they they met at other times, they, may, they met daily. They met, and they, they had special gatherings, but Sunday or the first day of the week became the day that the church got together and it commemorated Christ's death and His resurrection. You know, once a year around these parts, we all celebrate Easter. But really, for the Christian, every Sunday is a celebration of Christ's resurrection. His death on the cross and the fact that he was raised from the dead. And we are, we are people who both have been buried with him and are alive in him. And that's why we come together. And so the, they, the, this is what the church would do. And they also called it the Lord's Day. <clears throat> that's when John said in Revelation chapter 1 verse 10. He said when he got that great revelation of Jesus Christ. And now we see it unfolded in the book of Revelation. It was on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week that the revelation came. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day when I heard the voice of the sound of a trumpet, and then there was this outpouring and revelation in what we have in the book of Revelation. The church gathering together on the Lord's day became a matter of primary importance to all of those who followed Christ. Uh, and so, coming back to this story that we read, we, we just saw this, uh, it's kind of a comical, it's, it's you know, it, it just kind of comes out of nowhere, But we see this young man, along with many others, who were gathered together to hear the great Apostle Paul preach. Wouldn't that be exciting to do? And uh, the room was full of eager listeners, and Paul was, as we say, waxing eloquent. And uh, the lamps were burning up the oxygen, the air was growing thin, and Eutychus was fading fast. And he's sitting on the windowsill, and he eventually falls asleep and fell to his death. And uh, Paul goes down there, and God worked a miracle through Paul when he embraced him. Power went out of Paul, flowed into that young man. He's like, he's not dead, he's alive. And um, so they all go back up, and they finish the service together. And I love that because nothing is going to stop him from having church. Now at first glance, this may seem like an inconsequential story about somebody falling asleep in church and a preacher preaching really long and somebody dying and then being raised to life. But I actually think this story is analogous to what can happen to people in the church. That's what it looks like to me. Like Eutychus fell asleep, I do think many believers fall asleep. They just fall asleep, spiritually. They're there, they're engaged to some extent, but at over time and through various reasons, and because of various reasons in their lives, they get drowsy. And uh, they're, they're hanging in there, but eventually... They fall asleep and fall away, if you will, from the purpose of church life. At one time, they were excited. But over time, they got bored. Or at one time, they uh, used to be a functioning part of the body, but then they lost their focus, maybe they got frustrated, maybe they were coming under some spiritual attack and got discouraged, and whatever, whatever happened, they got distracted and where they used to be a functioning part, they lost their focus and they became dysfunctional in the body of Christ. And sometimes they were apart, they wanted to be in the middle of things, but they began to drift away, slowly drift away, drowsily drifting off getting really close to the edge on the periphery, not fully engaged on the periphery, if you will, sitting on the windowsill, really close to the edge, and eventually they were out cold, and they were just out. And this happens to us. I don't know. I think sometimes people tune the church out. They get turned off by the church for whatever reasons. But listen, I just want to remind us here today that regardless of our experiences, regardless of how I feel about church, regardless of what I've gone through in the church, the church is still, the ecclesia, is still Jesus' big idea. It's his plan A and there ain't no plan B. This is what he said he would build all the while that he's gone. He said, I will be building my church, and not only will I be building my church, but I'm going to make it a supernatural force in the earth that hell can never stop. Hallelujah. I know it may look like we're losing battles. I may. I I know it may look like we're losing ground, but listen, hell cannot withstand the church that Jesus is building. And his church, the ecclesia of God, comes right down into those little gatherings of God's people and those churches and those local fellowships where Jesus makes his presence manifest in our lives and through our lives. And so Jesus is all about the church. And if Jesus is all about the church, I think we should be all about the Come on. If it's a big idea to him, it needs to be a big idea to us. If he's committed to it, we need to be committed to it. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? And so, you're never going to believe the title or what I, the focus of what I want to go with today. I want to talk about the top ten reasons why you need to go to church. I know. Hang on. By the grace of God, we'll get through it. And if I don't get through it, I ain't worried about it. I'll pick it up next week. Amen. Why I need church. I had to give you ten because I was really going to hammer this home. Amen. (laughs) Top ten reasons. Number ten. Because there is power in corporate praise and worship. Come on today. How many of you felt the power of God in this place today? Now, I I know that I can meet with God, and I try to, every day of my life, meet with God all by myself. And I feel God's presence at home all by myself. Some days I feel Him, some days I don't. And I'm not even really talking about what you feel, but I'm talking about what is the reality. God said He inhabits the praises of His people. When his people come together, God sets his throne in the midst of them. And wherever God is, by his spirit and by his presence, there is power. And Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, he said to the church there, he said, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. And the word dissipation means which is a waste of life. To be an alcoholic, someone dependent on that substance, you don't need that in your life. What you really need, he said, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And how do you get full of the Holy Spirit? He says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said... Praise God and sing to God because there's power in his presence. Amen. Why we come to church is we need the power of God. Amen. There are powers of darkness all around us in our culture. Amen. And we need to come into a place, into a place of refuge where there is power and the way that we walk into that power is when we invite his presence through singing, through clapping, through shouting. Amen. 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 Don't get me started today. I'm feeling it up here. I don't know if you I don't know if it's the anointing. I'm just feeling it. We need to praise the Lord with God's people. If one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight, what can a hundred and fifty or two hundred people in a gathering do? Paul said we need the power of God, and we get that through corporate praise and worship. And why this is so important is because there are are things that are limiting us and things that are trying to stop us. And I want to show you a verse of Scripture in Isaiah 54, verse 1, where the prophet said, Sing, O barren, you who have not borne. Break forth into singing and cry cry aloud. In other words, the prophet is saying, if you've not had children, don't be sad about it. Don't get discouraged over it. Don't be depressive about it. But press through your pain, press through the difficulty in your life with a heart of singing, with a heart of praise, with a heart of worship. For he went on to say, you who have not born with uh, have labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than those of the married woman. If you will sing your way through, he said, you're going to have a baby. <laughs> Amen. How many of you want to have a baby in here? Come on. You're not through. Top 10 reasons why I need church there is power in corporate praise and worship, number two, or number nine is to stay grounded in the Word of God. The Bible said the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to the Word. They needed to hear the Word. Many of these people had walked with Christ. Many of these people had been healed by Christ. Many of these people had encountered Christ. But they didn't get all that they needed in, when Christ was here. They had to continually press into his presence and hear the word and receive the word. Paul said in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, As you therefore have received Christ the Lord, so walk in him. In other words, if you receive Jesus the Lord... Then live out his lordship in your life. How do you do that? Rooted and built up and established in the faith as you have been taught. You need the word to establish your faith. You and I need to hear the preaching of the word. We need to sit under the sound of God's word. We need to receive What God's truth says. Because we can't be established without it. The world will rock you and knock you all over the place. If you and I are not grounded in the word of God. And so we need to come. And we need to be there. Because we cannot live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so every time the preaching and the teaching. And I'm talking about small groups as well. I'm talking about those side gatherings as well where you get together with smaller groups of people. Every time we get under the word of God, it's like whenever we hear that, it's like the sower sowing seed. You know that when, that when the sower sows the seed, all of the power, all of the resource is in the seed. But nothing can happen with the seed if the heart is not receptive. And so if my heart is hard and indifferent, the enemy's going to come and going to snatch it away. And I won't get anywhere because I'm hardened in my heart. Or if I'm if I got rocks in my soul, there, there's no way that the root of the word can get in, and the difficulties of life will burn it out, and I'll be discouraged. And the ne- next thing you know, I'm falling out of the church. Amen. It matters to us. We got to have good soil to receive it, but we need it. So we need to stay grounded in God's word. How are we doing? Julie said, don't beg for anything, just preach. So I just, how we doing? We doing okay? That's all. How are we doing? Top 10 reasons why I need church. Because there's power in corporate praise and worship. Number nine, to stay grounded in the word of God. Number eight, to refocus my faith in God. It's dark out there. How many of you know that? It's discouraging out there. It's disturbing out there. And it looks bad out there. And sometimes we live, we live most of the time outside the walls of the church, which is how God designed it, by the way. Okay? Just so you know, I I believe in coming to church and being the church and doing church, but I want you to know, I also know that God designed it that we live outside of these walls. But sometimes... We make church and living in church just kind of, I just want to be happy and be tucked away from all the pain. No, God wants you to be prepared to live out your faith out there. But sometimes we get so discouraged and disillusioned by all of the problems and all of the lies and all of the deception and and all of the crisis that we, we get rocked in our faith. Sometimes we drag ourselves into church, and you know, I'm glad that we do that. Some, You know, however you come, come. It doesn't matter to God. Just get here. Because when you get under the sound of God's word, and you get into the place where you just begin to praise God, you know what it does? It recalibrates your heart to the truth of who he is. And who you are. And what we are. And why we're here. David wrote and he talked about man when I was in the when I was out there he said the world was evil and he said I couldn't stand it because they were getting away with it and I hate it I hate to see the evil progress in their ways and I he said I grew envious and he and he even said my foot had almost slipped I almost just gave up I almost just said what's the use I'm walking away the world is evil and they're getting away with it and here I am trying to be God's man and I'm not getting away with anything. And then here's, here's what David said right after he said all that in Psalm 73. But he said, when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. He said, I was discouraged. I was frustrated. But I, this, is, this is my interpretation. But when I went to church, he said, then I understood their end. Ah, oh, I got it. I, I get it, Lord. I understand what this is all about. And then he went on to say in verses 25 and 26, he said to the Lord, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail me, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Isn't that good news? We need this. We need this time because sometimes our heart is failing us. But I need God to strengthen me. And that's what this is all about. And so it helps to refocus our faith. Top ten reasons why I need to go to church. Number seven, to build friendships of love and support. The Bible said in Acts chapter 2 verses 42, well verse 42 it says they devoted themselves to fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. And then it goes on in verse 46 and it says this, I think I have the scripture. It says that they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Have you ever noticed that Christianity is all about food? They ate their food. Today in America, it's all about coffee. They, they drank their Starbucks with gladness and simplicity of art. So continuing daily. How you like that? The church was meeting daily. And they would go to the temple and meet together. And they would go to houses And meet together. And what was this all about? It was about relationship in Christ. They knew that they weren't. It wasn't. Listen. Christianity has never been me centered. It is we centered. That's the true message of the Christian faith. We are all here to walk together with Christ. All the way into eternity. And we need each other. And I know we th- sometimes think we don't need each other. But you need each other. We all do. And you're like, I can't stand them. Well, they can't stand you either. But we need each other. Amen. And we're going to have to get over it. As Kathy, my good friend, says, a River, build a bridge and get over it. That's what, That's her... If you notice in the scriptures, the body of Christ or the church, is, the church is described as the body of Christ. The body, not bodies. The body of Christ. With many members, but it all makes up one body. The, the church is also called the family of God. We got one dad. We got one elder brother, and we're all brothers and sisters. That's what we are. The Bible also calls us a flock of God. We're a bunch of dumb sheep, but we need each other. Amen. God, in His Word, calls us the temple of God. He said, The church is the temple of God. And Peter described the temple of God that we are all, each every one of us, are living stones built one upon another. We don't do this by ourselves. We can't be successful by ourselves. We need to be a part of what God is doing in the church. Amen. And so, then we're called, all of us together, are called the bride of Christ. See, all of those terminologies are very relational centered. The need of each other. And we need each other. Christianity, as I said, was never me centered. It's a we centered faith. And here's what Solomon said. He said in Proverbs 27 verse 17, as iron sharpens iron so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So here's what the church is all about. We're here to sharpen everybody. We're here to sharpen each other. We're here to help each other get our cutting edge so that we can be the best version of what God intended us to be. But when you think of sharpening a knife, and I'm not, you know, this is, here's, here's a couple of things I understand about sharpening a knife. There has to be intentional Friction. And careful precision. It, there has to be, you know. <laughs> but you know what happens to a lot of people when this starts happening? They're like, I'm out of here. That's the wrong move. Because iron sharpens iron. Now we're not here to be mean and i don't i don't even really like throwing the word around the word accountability because that almost seems like you know kind of an oppressive like somebody's you know keeping tabs on me and make you know but but but, but we are here to um, help people recover help them find their way overcome their struggles we're here to restore them when they fall refresh them when they're Weary, remind them of the truth. Kim used to tell me all the time years ago because I believe so many lies. She said, whenever you start believing the lie, call me, I'll tell you the truth. You need somebody to call you up and tell you the truth. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen? Whoops, sorry. (laughs) Trying to obey my wife. Top ten reasons why I need the church. Number six. I'm doing okay. I'm not doing too bad. Number six. We need to pray with and for one another. The Bible said in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 that the church devoted themselves to prayer. That's one of the big things you do as the church. Jesus said, my house is to be a house of prayer. When my people get together, I want them to get together and pray. I want them to call prayer meetings. I want them to be willing and ready to pray and fast if necessary. He said, in fact, when I go away, they're going to be praying and fasting because I'm no longer here. And they're going to need to hear from me. And they're going to need to find their way through some difficult things. And they're going to, need to, they're going to need some extra insight on how to handle battles and struggles in life. He said, but I want my people to pray. And you know why the church prayed like they did? It's because Jesus prayed like he did. And he not only led by example, but he instructed and he taught them over and over. It's one of these big topics On how to pray. And to keep on praying. And to pray with boldness. And to pray with courage. Because why? Because things happen when God's people pray. Now I know. I know. That sometimes we don't see our prayers come through. But listen church. We don't have another option. God said we must pray. And he gave a parable that men ought always to pray and never ever give up. No matter what your, no matter what comes against you, he says, I want you to be a praying church and never give up. Keep on believing that things are going to change. And so that's what the pray, That's what prayer is. It is the act of believing God. No matter what we're faced with right now. I love Charles Spurgeon. He said that prayer is the slender nerve that moves the hand of omnipotence. That's why we pray. Because when we pray, God hears and responds to our prayers. This is why Paul taught the early church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. He said, and pray in the spirit. Let me just stop right there. I believe that in the Spirit means I want to be Spirit-led in my prayer time. But I also believe that it means pray in your spiritual language. Because there are times you can't put your natural words to what you're praying about. And there is a prayer language that we receive. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than everybody else. When he was correcting people who were abusing tongues in their church gatherings, Paul was, he said, I'm not, I'm not here to say speaking in tongues is wrong. Uh-uh, I pray in tongues more than everybody else. And he said, here, pray in the Spirit. And he used the same termo- terminology when he talked about praying with spiritual language. He said, I pray in the Spirit. Why is that? Because there are things in the spirit realm that I can't articulate, but by the spirit of God I pray in faith and things happen. And I don't care, we're going to be a tongue-talking church. (laughs) Amen. And so, Paul said, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests And just for my sake, that means even when the kids say, can you pray for my dog? Okay. He said all kinds. I was one of those religious freaks that were like, why are we praying for animals? They don't matter. But I guess I got corrected. All things. Amen. Amen. Some of you didn't like that. Pray with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. That's why we offer prayer up here at the end of the service. Because we may be talking about this, but you may be going through that. and It doesn't matter. If you need prayer, you should come and receive prayer. Bible says, call the elders of the church. In fact, let me just go ahead and give it to you. It's found in James chapter 14, verses 15. It says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. You know what I'm choosing to believe? That. I'm not going to believe my experiences unanswered prayer I'm going to believe the promise of answered prayer I'm going to keep going after it because it says right here in God's word in the book of James anointed and given by the Holy Spirit that God said I will raise him up yeah. amen so we need to pray this is why I need to make it to church because we need to pray for each other because every one of us in this room are facing battles in our homes When Paul said, Pray on all all occasions, keeping this in mind, right before he said those words, he was talking about the spiritual warfare that every one of us are going through. And he was saying, Everybody's in a battle of some kind in their marriage, in their finances, in their body, in their emotions, in their mind. They're in battles, they're going through warfare. How do we get through the warfare? You call in reinforcements. Amen. That's what prayer is. It's just reinforcements. Come on now. So, top ten reasons why I need to go to church. Number six is to pray with and for one another. Number five goes along with it. To create a space where miracles can happen. I believe that when we come together, we're, we're making room for God to move in this place. Acts chapter 2 verse 43 says, in 42 it said they were devoted together. And in 43 it says, and everyone was filled with awe at the many. Everybody say the many. The many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. God was moving whenever they were coming together. How many of you know that God can move anywhere, anytime? God can move. He can move at the store. He can move in your house. He can move over the fence talking to your neighbor. He can move in the darkest place. He can move in the hilltops. And he moves anywhere where people invite him. But when we come together, when we get together, we're creating an atmosphere in our praise and our worship and our humbly receiving the word of God and just submitting our hearts one to another and being here for each other, we're creating a space where signs and wonders can happen. Amen. Jesus said, if any two of you shall agree on earth as touching any one thing, it will be done for you by my Father who is in heaven. So we got to come in with that heart of faith and know that we're making room for God to move here because we want God to move here. I don't want to be a church that has a form of godliness but denies the power thereof. I don't want to be that church. You probably thinking, well then just get out of the way, would you? I want to be a church where there is power. I want power to be an earmark of our church. We can't. I don't want to have a form of godliness. I don't want to look the part. That's boring. I want to be the part. Don't you? And we got to press through our discouragement on this. And we got to keep going after this. Because the enemy's trying to stop. He wants to. He's trying to withstand the church. Now I know Jesus said he cannot stop the church. But sometimes he stops. He, he, uh, he gets in the way. And he. he He distracts us and discourages us from pressing on into victory. Individually. As well as even corporate gatherings. But we don't want that. I'm reminded of Peter and John when they had been threatened to never preach in Jesus' name again. As soon as they were released, you know what they went and did? They called a church prayer meeting. And they got together and they said, hey, they're trying to stop us from preaching about Jesus. And so you know what they did? They went to prayer. They didn't come up with a petition to sign, a strategy to come up with, who were going to vote into office. No, you know what they did? They prayed. You know how you handle these kind of issues? You pray. And so they went to God and they began to pray. And you know what Peter said when he was praying? He said, God, we pray that you would pour out. We want you, God, to give us boldness, give boldness to us, your servants, to just keep preaching Jesus. Bye, he said, sending forth signs and wonders. Confirm what we're doing here so that you be glorified, so that the world will encounter you. And Paul talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and being open in operation to the gifts of the Holy Spirit because when people come to church in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he said, you want people walking away saying, man, I felt like God was there. Amen. Come on, church. That's what we want. We're talking about making the first thing the first thing. We need to make church first in our life. Amen. Hallelujah. Are we okay? Number four. Ten things. Ten reasons why I need to go to church. Number four is to serve the body of Christ. Say that with me. To serve the body of Christ. I didn't say to be served by the body of Christ. What are you going to do for me today? I hope you sing my favorite current worship song. That would really make me happy. The sermon better be good. They better take care of my children. Well, we will do that. I mean, you know. It's not about what the church can do for me. As one of our great presidents said, but about what I can do for the church. I know, it's terrible, but anyway, you got it. Jesus demonstrated serving one another, and he taught this. He said, I didn't come to be served. How many know that Jesus is Lord of Lords, King of Kings? We're going to all fall down at these feet one day. We're going to take our crowns all of our worldly and earthly and spiritual achievements, and we're going to throw them all at his feet. And because he's our Lord, we live for him. We want to do everything we do for his name and for his glory. But he said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve you. And he washed the disciples' feet, and he said, I'm... Now I'm showing you literally what serving really looks like. You get your hands in their dirtiness. You humble yourself where you get down below them. And you embrace that dirty part of their body. And you help clean them and you help better them and you help refresh them and you help restore them. That's what what the church is about. And so when we talk about ministry, whether it's worship team or small group leader or, you know, somebody behind the scenes helping or working with our children, what are we talking about? Foot washing. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about, it's not about me. It's not about me flaunting my gift. It's not about me looking good to everybody else. It's not about what you can do for me. It's how can I help you? And it's called serving. Serving. That's why I need this place because I need to serve God's people. Amen. And Paul taught this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. He said that Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love you want to be a part of a loving church get involved do hey i'm going to do what the bible says do your part you got a part what are you doing is it functioning it's not about you it's about them amen And so, get involved. It's a a statement of fact that says that 20% of the people in churches usually do 80% of the work. I don't know if that's true around here. I don't know what the percentage is. I'm very grateful for whoever is serving and whoever is leading and whoever is loving and whoever is doing things and... Out in the open or behind the scenes. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. But everybody is a part. And everybody must participate. Amen. i got to move on. Ten reasons why I need to go to church. Number three. Talking about this is to build a healthy family and a happy life. How many of you want some healthy children? Healthy marriages? How about you like a happy life? Acts chapter 13 verse 52 says, And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Can, do you believe that that can be our reality? Come on, can that be our reality? Church gatherings, bringing your family, bringing your life, bringing your, your, your kids in this place, lays a foundation for your house. It helps to do that. We're not here to replace your leadership. In fact, we're not here to take over your job as mom and dad. That's not our job. We're here to help you. That's why we do what we do. We want to be of service to you. We want to help you along the way. But we're not here to do your job, but we're here to help you help yourself, so to speak, to do and to be all that God wants you to be in your home and in your families. And so the church... And studies show that it's really healthy and it creates happiness to be a part of a church. Studies show out of a, uh, some, some universities in our nation that are not godly universities, by the way, they say that people who attend church tend to live longer than the general population. And the reason for that is because they learn life-giving principles through God's word that help them to make lifestyle choices that don't bring death into their life, and help them to make, uh, you know, to figure out who they should be in company with in their life. Amen. They are generally happier. These studies say. Marriages tend to be stronger, experience less divorce, and it gets even better when both the husband and wife attend together, and not just one of them. Church children generally grow up to have stronger marriages in their life, become less likely to be sexually active or abuse substances. These are all godless studies that have been taken out there. They tend to perform, children tend to perform better at school, and when they get a job eventually, and they need a job. They need to go to work. Get out. My dad woke me up one day and said, Shave that hair off your chin, take a shower, we're going to get a job. That was my introduction to getting a job. <laughs> and uh, But it's really, it's really good for you to go to church. It's good for you. It's good for your family, it's good for your children. Amen. Doesn't sound very spiritual, but it's still good. It's called the goodness of the Lord. It's good for you. Top ten reasons why I need to go to church. Number two is to be a light in the community. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, every one of them received a firelight on top of their head. And that was not only symbolic of the purifying presence of the Holy Spirit, but it talked about the illuminating light of God's presence upon them. And the whole city heard the rushing mighty wind. And they heard the explosive thing that was going on. And they were all gathered around to this place called the upper room. And those people that were filled with the Holy Spirit and so on fire in that gathering stepped out of the place because God doesn't want us to live inside the four walls. He wants us to get out of the four walls. We need what we do in here. But it's four out there. And they went out there. And they began to preach and there were thousands of them. And they were on fire. I don't know if the flame was still flickering above their head, but they had a fire in their belly. And they began to preach Christ. And the people heard it, and the Bible said they were cut to the heart. And they said, what do you want us to do? And Peter said, repent of your sins, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, be baptized in water, and receive the Holy Spirit for yourself. That's just cutting it right to the core. Hallelujah. That's what you need to do. And they did it. 3,000 people gave their heart to Jesus Christ on that day the church was birthed. And what happened is because the church was on fire. They had a firelight in them. And when we come together, and this is why we need to come together, is I believe that we become, as it were, a lighthouse in our community. And it's not about us getting our all lit up in here and getting excited in here and then going out there and not doing anything with it. And no, we need to get, it's kind of like we need to keep our Uh, The oil in our lamps full so that the light can burn, so that we can be ready, so that the community can be impacted. Amen. Jesus said in Luke chapter 8, verse 16, he said, no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand." Where it light, where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. You know what Jesus is saying. I didn't pour out my firelight of the Spirit upon you to keep you hid away and not have an effect on the world. God wants to transform this city because He loves this city and all of the surrounding areas, all the way out to Deer Lodge. We got Deer Lodgers here, and if Anacondas here, people from all over. To He lit us up to be a light. Amen? I'm trying to hurry. I'm passing over good things here. Hey, top ten reasons why I need to go to church. Not only to be a light in our community, but the last one is this. Because God said so. That's why. You're like, you could have just said that at the beginning. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner, literally the habit of some. But exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day coming. What day? The day of the coming of the Lord. He says, you don't need less of this. You need more of this. See, this these people in this time, they were under severe pressure for their faith. You know what they were doing? They were being ostracized by their family. They were being persecuted by zealots. They were just like, I don't want any problems here. I think I'll just stay home. I won't walk to church. I won't let anybody see me go to church. I don't want the problems. And he said, no, you're getting yourself into more trouble by not being there. Amen. And the simple fact is, by virtue of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, God said to do it. That's why we do it. Because he said so. And Jesus said, why are you going to call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I tell you? If God says to do it, then I guess I should do it. Amen? There's your ten reasons why we need to go to church. Thank God I made it through. (laughs) Amen. Julie, would you come? Let's all stand together. Can I have the prayer... Teams, come on up and be prepared to pray. Church, we just talked about it today. We believe in the power of prayer. We need this. Sometimes we're in battles and in warfares in our life. We need God to move in our lives. We need God to touch us. Lord, we do not want to have a form of godliness and no power. I pray, Lord, that every time we come here, we come with a heart of anticipation, of readiness. Even if we're coming out of some really difficult places in our lives, even even if we have to drag ourselves to be here, it's not about legalism, it's not about we're trying to earn favor from you, it's coming to the realization, I need this, I need to be here. I need to be with your people, just like I need to be with you privately. I need to be with you corporately, because it's not just me and how I feel, it's about what we are going through. So Lord, I pray. and church, would you would you just join me in this prayer? I'm, you could say it out loud, but I'm just asking God just, Lord, just pour out your holy Spirit upon us in a fresh way. Let the sound of a mighty rushing wind blow through this house and over this congregation. And not only this congregation, but all of the congregations in the city of Butte, in the city of Anaconda, in the city of uh, Whitehall, in the city of Deer Lodge, and all this this region, Lord. We pray for the sound of a mighty rushing wind, God, to blow over your houses. And God, that the fire of your Spirit would light us up. And God, that 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 fire... That tongue of fire on our head would get in our belly. And it would be on our tongue. God, we want to put you first in your house with your people. And we want to say like with John when he got the revelation, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. That's what we want. We want to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day. We welcome you here, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen, church. Amen.